Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Demigod Chronicles. Of course, with your boy Asante Dyer, aka Demigod. Um, this week we got a little bit of you know change, a little audible for those of you that play Madden. Uh, co-host couldn't be here with this uh, with, with me this week. Chris and Jalen unfortunately had some some prior engagements that they had to tend to, but you know, little theme of the week for this week is you know the, the show must go on. So. Um, Definitely, you know, they still going to be active on the page this week. So, you know, I still get to tap in with them. But it's just, you know, it's me and y'all this week. little change. I was definitely a lot easier with them here. I had to freaking set up all these elaborate lights and shit so I could get a decent, you know, recording setup. But, um, you know, we here. Uh, we didn't want to, you know, leave you guys hanging without an episode this week. So we definitely had to make sure we got some type of content out to y'all. Of course, for our lovely fans out there. I hope everyone had a good week. My week this week was pretty good. Got some orders in for the for the clothing line. Me and Chris discussed some things to, you know, further the podcast as well. And of course, you know, some big events happening this week. You know, some uh championships this weekend. Big thing, the inauguration. Uh, we're gonna get into that in a little bit. Still gearing up 2021. Uh everybody's still you know, COVID's still outside, so everybody's still, you know, keeping safe and stuff like that. But um feels good to be here. Feels good to, you know, be able to record. This, for those of you who don't know, um, I've never been into media or anything like that. So <laughs> starting this podcast really it was a way for me to really figure out some some more about myself, but as well as, you know, venturing out and trying something new. But it seems to have uh the same effect on me as I feel like my uh, is the same for my co-hosts is we just, you know, we get to come every week and we get to talk to you guys, just vent and just talk. Like it's an outlet um, to wait, you know, let out whether angry, frustration, anxiousness. Uh, if you're happy, you get to display. It's, it's, it's a good feeling. So I definitely advise everyone to, you know, find a craft, just something to put your, your time into whatever spare time you have. And, just you know, get you know, have something in your life that that you could look forward to, at the end of the week or at the end of the day that you could really invest some real time into, and at the same time making yourself better. So, forty-five is out of there. Um, <laughs> we on to a new chapter in the country uh, with a new presidency. Uh, Joe Biden is now our president. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't want to get too into the politics. Politics. But, you know, we could definitely discuss the inauguration. Um, it was a cool ceremony. Uh, obviously, attendance was uh, at a held to, held to a minimum because of, you know, COVID protocols and stuff like that. People showed up wearing their masks and, you know, everybody stayed socially distanced. Definitely one of the more, uh, I would say, meme or, you know, social media friendly uh, inaugurations. Uh, a lot of ladies out there, I see you guys are talking about Michelle, her outfit. She definitely looked good. Um, a lot of monochromatic colors going on for those of you, in the, you know, into fashion, stuff like that. It's a lot of one one tone stuff like that going on. But, of course, you have the star of the show besides Joe Biden, which is Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders, he was everywhere this weekend. <laughs> they took a photo of this man for those of you that might not be on social media or might have just not seen it kind of hard not to but 
for those of you that haven't, is a picture of Bernie Sanders at the inauguration. Has his his hands folded. He's wearing like this, you know, this big coat and he's wearing mittens and he just looks like he's just ready to go. And uh, the running joke was that everybody was saying that um, the inauguration was on his to-do list and he was ready to get to his next item. Uh, but it, that was that was definitely fun. But you know, on a more serious note, politics, everybody has their own beliefs. Um, some people happy about this, some people not happy about this. And, you know, I'm not here to get into that. But I, what I do want to get into is just the climate of the country within ourselves and like what we can handle. And big thing everybody, you know, wants to talk about is, you know, bringing attention to the social injustices going on, the hardships that people are facing economically, uh, the crutches and, and, and things that people had to face. And those are all real things. And I think we've done a good job as a whole as at bringing attention to those things. But I think now um, the task that we have to try to move forward now is how to create real change, how to put things in place, how to, you know, fundamentally give these kids these things that they lack, put programs in place where you can put things in communities that people might not be able to utilize and, you know, give them a step forward and stuff like that. So I think those things are going to be coming up. Uh, it's going to be like more of a relevant conversation than um, just just the injustices that's happening, just the um, hardships that people are facing and stuff like that. So I look forward to that and I look forward to being a part of those conversations and definitely any organizations, any, you know, foundations, anything out there. Uh, I definitely want to give a shout out to uh, uh, one of my good friends, Grew up with him, was like family to me, Jason Smith. Uh, he's tapped in. Uh, he has a program, I believe it's called 93 Nights, if I'm not mistaken. I'm definitely going to look that up. I'll put some information up there. I'm going to spotlight that this week for him. But he's uh, doing stuff with at-risk youth and stuff like that and giving back. And, you know, we all have come through some type of obstacle, some type of um, hardship. And I just think that it's really important that we pay that for it and that we try to give back as much as possible. So. I definitely look forward to being a part of that, you know, that real change and that real conversation of what's the next 10 years going to look like in our society, in our community. And I think that's big. Or politics, uh, news, pretty much news is based around COVID-based things. And uh, something I saw that was interesting, and just to kick off this week's current events, was that it was a conversation I was having before. The world shut down, people had to quarantine, uh, vaccines are now being distributed, stuff like that. So with things going back to normal, I was having a conversation with my dad and I was wondering how, like, when travel opens back up, how is it going to be uh, when it pertains to having the necessary documents, uh, having proof of vaccination versus someone who doesn't choose to get the vaccination? Like, how are they going to handle that? I saw something that said they plan on having vaccine passports. And the article is from Barry Neal of CNN. It says uh, what vaccine passports means for your summer vacation. And it just says that the, the word vaccine passport has a reassuring ring to them, perhaps conjuring up the image of sleek embossed document with watermark pages, official stamps of approval, flourish border controls. It would have to travel and open doors for the U.S. and many have been closed by COVID-19. So basically, it would just be like another document that you would have to carry with you and it would just give you a uh, proof of vaccination test date records saying that you have negative testing. And for all of my conspiracy theorists out there, a lot of people were under the assumption that uh, they came up with a vaccine. They will try to plant things in people and have chips and stuff like that. And this is, I guess, 
some form of technology based around the vaccine. Um, they were partnering up with uh, companies like IOP, IBM, uh, it says Cryotech, and um, a few other companies where they wanted to see if it was possible to download an app and have an app within people's phones and have some type of wristband or something you know, connected to the app. And it would just give the person updated records, updated information, testing dates, negative testing, positive testing, like quarantine times and stuff like that. Just a, a overall index of all COVID related things when it has to do with the person. So initially it would be like a COVID rap sheet. Um, how many times you tested, how many times you tested positive and negative, uh, things of the sort. And someone could send out this information or click on the information and it'd be easily accessible when it pertains to travel. None of this stuff is set in stone. I just thought it was interesting that they're trying to figure out things because uh, I've seen something recently. There was an interview with Fauci and he was saying that probably about 80% of people will be vaccinated, he said, by summer of 2021. And if the, you know, the larger group is vaccinated, obviously, you know, travel would open up to the people that's vaccinated. But I was wondering, like, how would it work uh, with the people who didn't want to necessarily get the vaccine or the people who weren't comfortable, you know, with getting the vaccine and how would that work for them? It's different now. We live in a day and age where you can be denied certain services if you don't follow protocol, uh, like with schooling and things like that. You have to have immunization and certain records and proof of shots and stuff like that in order to even enter school now. Just a quick story with me. I remember last year uh, when I was going to school, before I even got to campus, I had sent my immunization records out and um, I sent it to the nurse. She said she received it. And then I got an email late in a week. I asked for it again. I resent it again. And then when I got to campus, I brought a copy with me. I was at practice, came home uh, to my dorm, you know, showered, was about to go to the dining hall, and I got like a, a email. Like it was a, a different email than I would usually get from the school. It was like a like an Amber Alert email almost. And uh it just had some information in there. It was directed towards me from the nurse. And it was just saying like, oh, if I didn't show proof of immunization within 48 hours, like campus safety would show up to my dorm and I'll have to be escorted off campus and I can't come back to campus until proof of shots. Long story short, you know, I went to the office and there was three of my three copies of my immunizations in the manila folder, but no one took it out to the folder to update it. But that is just a story to share with how, you know, serious people do take immunizations. And these are for things that aren't or haven't been a pandemic in the last 20, 30 years for like mumps, measles and, you know, a bunch of stuff like that. Polio shots, all that stuff. So they, they, people do check and they are thorough with these things. So seeing how that transfers now to a new age thing because it's different than it was before because you remember i remember having conversations with my friends and um last year we were kind of like tracking the virus uh one of my friends dule i spoke about him before he's big on uh the foreign exchange market for those of you that you know know it as something else is also forex and with when you're trading in, in, in foreign companies, it's good to know the climate of the companies before you don't make investments and stuff like that. And he was probably the first person I know was talking about. He's like, yo, China just closed down all of their dogs. Da, da, da. He, and he was just going through week by week, you know, tracking the virus. And then he was just like, oh, yo, bro, a case is in the U.S. And I'm like, all right, OK. And because you think about these things that you've heard them before, you know, they had swine flu, Ebola, you know, you hear these things, H1N1, stuff like that. And it's you don't ever really think it's going to 
like you know there's a sickness outside, but I don't think anyone that I know would have assumed that this would happen in our lifetime um, because it didn't happen with those other things. But obviously this is, you know, very different than any other illness we've experienced in our lifetime. So definitely important to um, just, I would just, you know, live in the moment um, and just, you know, kind of see how things are taking place because I, I see a lot of, you know, memes and stuff and people making fun of it. But this honestly is a historic time that we're living in right now. And it's going to be something that you're going to have to look back and you're going to have to you know, account for the, you know, the experiences you went through, where you were when this happened, uh, where, where where you were when that happened. Because um, if you even think about the things that's happened within our lifespan, 95 to whatever the, the new uh, era is before the millennials, for those people we've experienced, you know, 9-11 and we experienced a recession and all these other things. So it feels like, you know, we're living through a bunch of catastrophic events and stuff like that. But, you know, our parents lived through things. Uh, our parents, some of our parents, if you have older parents, you know, they lived through uh, civil rights and things of the sort and a whole bunch of things, you know, missile crisis, a whole bunch of stuff. So just, I just, my advice to everybody would just be to, you know, really just try to take account for, you know, the emotions you're having right now. Uh, like what is happening when these things are happening around you and just, you know, try if you can even just write the things down, like how did you feel in that moment? Because these are times that we're going to look back, you know, 10, 20 years from now, but like, dang, like we really lived through a pandemic. <laughs> and to me, I think that's just like the craziest concept because you're either going to be able to account for like a large chunk of time that you lost, or you're going to be able to account for, you know, the large amount of things that you were able to accumulate with all these things being taken away from you. And that was a, a big thing for me um, at the start of the quarantine. I'm like, you know, I don't know what this is. I'm, you know, still trying to, you know, go out, link my friends, try, trying to do like regular stuff. And, you know, once you're walking into a store and they're like denying you because you don't have a mask and stuff like that, that's when you start to realize like, all right, this is real. About halfway through, you know, you get that little, um, gonna be inside, I'm being lazy, you know, the Zoom class, going to work on Zoom, whatever you guys were doing. And then you get into that mode of, okay, like this is what it's gonna be for a while. So what can you do through this? And I think that's when I kicked into a second gear, eventually started this podcast, curated a couple of things for myself that I feel like is gonna be a product of it once it's all over. Yeah, I just think it's really important for everyone to just document everything that's happened in their lives in these couple of years, just because one, who's to say what's going to be left from this time period. So if you could provide information for the future, that's super, super dope. It's like a time capsule almost, you know, we wouldn't be able to learn about half the things we didn't pass if we didn't have things that survived that ever. So you definitely want to do things, create things that's going to survive this error more than anything. And that's also a part of change is garnering and ushering in a new era of something. So, you know, we'll be the generation of, you know, we lived through a pandemic. We saw 9-11, we saw these things, and we still was able to be this in life and do this. And I think that as a group, it just creates a generation of people who just have an understanding of resilience. And just it gives like real testimonies of everyone experiencing hardship. And some people may have not been able to benefit from it, but there's definitely going to be people out there that definitely benefit from it. You know, you see it all the time. Uh, so it's nothing new. Uh, once again, you know, you just try to keep, keep pushing and keep staying positive and 
just hope that things are going to get to a place where some type of normality and some type of normalcy comes back. Another article I saw was um, something about the movie industry, which me, myself, I'm an avid movie watcher, avid movie goer. So, you know, the pandemic definitely put a stop to that for me and as well as everyone else. So uh, one of the concerns I had at the start of the pandemic was the fact that, you know, maybe the movie industry wouldn't be able to, um, not the movies itself, but, you know, the cinema going to the movie theaters. Um wouldn't be able to sustain and it wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, make it through the pandemic, may, may go out of business. You know, you've seen Blockbuster and a bunch of other things that we've stores and stuff that we've grown up with uh, just go out of business. So I was hoping that, you know, AMC and stuff like that, like it wouldn't go under. Um, and I came across an article that it was basically talking about so, some of the fears that they had in the in the movie industry. And uh, one of the main things I saw was that they feared that uh, one of the main things they dealt with was the box office. And for those of you that don't know, the box office is a record of how well the movies do their first weekend in the theaters and for the longevity and however much time that the movie's actually in the theaters and um, how much money it accumulates versus how much money it took to actually make the film. In the early 2000s, uh, it says in the article that the box office only accumulated for about 26% of uh, gross pay for studios on making the revenue back for their films. In 2006, it went up to about 36%. And by 2019, um, box office was up to 46%, which means that most of the people that were consuming movies or seeing movies were going to the actual theaters to see the, the films. Um, about 18% was uh, TV funded and um, uh, 36% was video on demand. So um, fast forwarding to this year, pandemic hits, no more movies. Movies was based on a window. Um, it's called the Hollywood windowing system. And it's basically just it shows the lifeline of a movie throughout a year. So it says for the first month to three months, the uh, movies in theaters only. Then probably after month three to month nine that the movie exists, they go to home video, video on demand. Um, from month nine to 27, it becomes available on premium networks, uh, paid for networks and stuff like that. And then after 27 months, the movie usually becomes, you know, free on basic cable and stuff like that and free for people to watch. And uh, for me, um, I was always a person that was go to the, would go to theaters to see things. But, you know, someone like my dad, uh, he's a person where he's like, he says it all the time where he doesn't like going to movies like that. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll wait till it comes on TV. And pretty much it's about a month or two. And then he'll be able to see it on HBO or something like that. Um, so for the people out there that's like that, uh, this definitely put a hit to how they see movies as well, because now they're developing a new system. So they have paid video on demand, paid video on demand, basically exactly what it says. You pay, you see the movie and you basically own the movie for a period of time and then you can uh, rent the movie again. Um, what they noticed was that majority now, uh, you know, the movies are kind of expensive when you get into, you know, buying snacks and all this other stuff, but the tickets are pretty much range between like $10 and $15. So 
now they're charging 20 to 25 dollars for the movie to buy it at home and people are uh an article says people are 90 percent more likely to buy the video at home because they can't go to the theater one and two uh more families that were uh, less likely to go to the theater to see it because of their family size, which like after paying out tickets would be like 35 and up, they were more likely to buy movies as well. So the movie industry is actually eating off of this because more families are buying these movies and more people are more likely to buy multiple movies because they can't go out and they can't experience that. And that at-home experience is creating something else for them because they get to you know, purchase the new movie and have it before other people so they could watch it at home and feel like, you know, some sort of some sort of nostalgia is one of the movies, whatever, they might pop themselves some popcorn or something like that. Um, these companies are now bargaining with different companies and basically saying like, hey, I'll you can exclusively host my movie. Um, they're obviously paying the movie for that. And they're seeing some type of profit back off of hosting the movie. So um, it's interesting to see what this market, how it's going to change. I don't know exactly because it doesn't really say in the article. I don't know exactly how it's going to affect physical theaters. But from what I see, uh, there's a bunch of theaters opening back up. You can rent out theaters now. Uh, we rented a theater for uh, my nephew's birthday last month. Uh, it was pretty cool. You know, we got to be in there. They got like, I think it's like a 20 person cap on a theater. You all go in there, you could bring your snacks, and then you just, they have a list of movies to choose from, newer movies and older movies that, you know, you could have streamed. And it's definitely a dope experience. It gives you a feeling of exclusivity and, you know, it's definitely that nostalgic feeling back of before the pandemic and you can actually sit in the theaters and enjoy yourself. So I thought that was pretty dope. And we are back this week with another one of your favorite segments we got song of the week, but as you guys know, there is no DJ J with us this week. So this week, you know, we got DJ Sant in the cut like a band-aid. We out here. Y'all know what just happened this past week. We're going to get into that after the song of the week, but the song of the week is Foolish by Ashanti. I got a love-hate relationship with Ashanti because actually I don't got no beef for her, but it's just her name is close to my name. So growing up, I would tell people my name. And they'll be like, oh, it's Ashanti, like the singer, and think it was so funny. But it wasn't funny. It was corny and it was unoriginal. But, you know, shout out to her. She's definitely a GOAT. Song of the Week, Ashanti. We all know what just happened this week, though. Definitely a monumental moment for the culture, for Black women, for R&B, for everybody. We had Ashanti <clears throat> versus Keisha Cole. Um, I I watch the verses. Feel me? I don't know how many are out there. It's gangster enough to really admit how much I like R&B, but I really fuck with R&B. Like that's that's my bag right there. 
I listen to R&B maybe just as much or more than I listen to rap. But it was a good battle, man. I wish Jay was here this week so we could talk about it. Definitely got to call him so I could figure out what he how he felt about it. But me personally, I kind of flip-flopped on this because at first I had Ashanti smoking Keisha Cole. I'm like, I don't even know why they put them two together. But then I'm like, all right. And then once we got to the actual battle, there was some technical difficulties on Keisha's end, some shit going on. I'm just going to say in my book, it was a tie. I'm 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 a, I'm a punk out. I'm going to just call it a tie. For me, everybody won. I'm not going to sit here and say who won. I play foolish because that's my shit right there. I love that song. But... Keisha did her thing. Shanti did her thing. Shout out to those two black queens. And it's good that we got to celebrate them and give them their flowers while they was here. Um, some people was in them comments wilding, so not everybody's giving flowers. But <laughs> yeah, that shit was definitely dope. I, I enjoyed watching it. Getting into pretty much the meat and potatoes of the show. This week is just me. So we're going to keep it short and sweet. But we didn't want to, you know, go a week without not being able to give you out some type of content and being a part of your lives as you guys are a part of ours. Continuing with the theme that we've been uh, doing this month, which is finance, basically, you know, starting the new year, you know, trying to get out on a good foot. This week, I wanted to talk about association and assets. Um, association. What is association? Association is anything that really has to do with you. The people in your life, the things that you associate yourself with, uh, like me per se, people know I'm associated with fashion. I'm associated with now podcasting. I'm associated with sports. These are all things that I chose to put myself in and that people are going to think of when they think of me as a person. Association extends also people. Who are you friends with? What are the type of people that you hang around? Uh, what type of energy do you put out? All these things are associated with you. And there's definitely power in association because I learned at a young age that there's something called guilt by association. And um, for those of you that don't know, it is being guilty by, you know, just being around the person doing the act. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be the one doing it. And I remember my teacher telling me when I was younger, uh, you, you're in just as much trouble as being around the person doing it and watching as a person that's actually doing it. And I didn't understand that at first. And what she meant by that was that, you know, there's power in who you keep around yourself. Uh, I don't want to really shed the light on who you're keeping around yourself, more so that who you are and the power of association. In life, uh, you definitely meet a lot of people. You meet people that are going to service you for good. You meet people that are going to serve you for bad. You meet people that are going to teach you lessons. You meet people that are just there to take up space. So it's your job and it's our duties to make sure that we're keeping the right types of people in our lives and that we're doing our best to, you know, promote healthy habits and doing our best to keep these people around us and to rub off on them in a good way, as well as we want them to rub off on us in a good way. I just wanted to talk about like, there's a natural thing where we just, you know, we gravitate to people who share our interests. People say, and I've heard before in, in my life that, you know, you could tell a lot about a person by who their friends are and who they're associated with. So if you're a person who, you know, you would consider yourself a go-getter, you would consider yourself a person of action and that you want to be you know, a positive person. You would surround yourself people with people who pretty much share the same ideals as you or people who, 
you know, can promote that. And it's a positive environment of friends to, you know, nurture those types of abilities. Um, if you're a person who, you know, you skateboard, you're going to hang out with people that skateboard. If you're a person that plays football, you're probably going to hang out with people that play football. But once we get past, you know, things that label us in our lives, um, we have to, you know, get to the core root of things and why we're friends with people, why we choose to keep things in our lives. And there's power in putting the right person in your life. So um, I forgot where I heard it, honestly, but, you know, they talk about you being a person and your personality basically being like a separate entity from yourself. So if you walk into a room, just people should be able to feel who you are as you walk in the room. And once you leave a room, people should know that you were there, but that you left a positive thing behind you. So uh, there's definitely power in being in rooms without actually being there. So um, with association, you meet people, um, networking. Um, networking is a very, very, very important thing. I feel like there's real, real power in meeting the right people and putting yourself in position to uh, have conversations with people to figure out what they're about and just to see if that person fits your tribe. And that's one of the things I wanted to definitely tap into. I was listening to a minister once and he was saying that people need to find their tribe. So, you know, find people that, you know, represent, you know, what you represent, people that, you know, garner your colors, people that garner, um, you know, things that you believe in. And by your colors, I don't mean, you know, skin color or like a favorite color or something like that, like something that you see as important. Like people choose to see the world different ways. Some people see the gray area. Some people see it as white. Some people see it as black. And you need you need to find people that can surround that mindset as well as people that can offset that, that mindset in a positive way. Definitely with networking, um, it's important to, one, to leave a positive um, impact on people who are, with whoever you meet. Um, there's definitely always going to be scenarios in life where you're going to meet someone under negative circumstances, but people will remember how you made them feel and not what you said. So I think it's important for us to take a light of whatever situation that we're in and to make sure that we're treating people with respect, make sure that we're, you know, giving people proper eye contact, make sure that we're, you know, doing things that's going to leave a, a lasting impression in someone's head and say, you know what, that person's a good person. So when there's a job opportunity or if there's a, a, a opening in, in, in somewhere and they could probably squeeze somebody in or if there's a favor they can get done, you know, they might remember. I remember having a 15-minute conversation with that, with that person. They, they were a pretty good person. So I would put myself out on the line for them. And that is a power of association because, you know, people can only create as many opportunities for themselves as they can. I think there's really, really a cap on what you can do for yourself. And you can push that cap every day, but once again, you can't outwork your own body. So you can't go out and meet a million people a day. It's physically impossible. You can go out and try to meet as many people as you can and try to do that, but it's through those people that they carry your essence and they carry almost your aura. And they'll say, you know what? I met someone who's in that field and they're a good person. I wanna give them an opportunity. I'm gonna put their name on the table when someone suggests Hey, I might need a painter. Hey, I might need someone who does hair. Hey, I might need someone who's a public speaker. I might need someone who does this. So when you do these types of things and you meet people and you invest positive 
positive energy into people, you'll get positive energy back because people, like I said, they people remember how you made them feel more than they remember what you said. So just to reiterate, like it's really, really, really important to make sure that when we're doing things, we're doing things with intent. And with doing things with intent comes you know, making sure that we're taking the proper steps. Like you don't just want to meet someone, see what you can get out of them, use it and get rid of them because people will associate you with all right, that, like that person's an opportunist. opportunist. Also, you don't want to be a super passive person. So you want to try to find the, the right within the middle. Like I'm not just going to text this person when I need something from them. Um, I might, you know, check on them. I know they're working on a project. You know, I know this person might've been going through something I'm going to check on them just so they can see that I'm a person that will be there when they need me, or I'm a person that's going to reach out or look for them or to them, you know, when they don't necessarily, I don't necessarily need something from that. And there's even power with that, just making sure that you're watering these relationships and make sure that they grow because the more you put into people, the more you can get out of them. And you want to be able to get out of them without obviously feeling like you're using these people just for an advantage, but you know, you're, honestly growing like organic relationships with people and that you're using these relationships to now benefit the both of you because the same way you would want an opportunity from these people you should pay those forward as well so if you meet someone it's like hey this person has really quality work and they might have not gotten a shot that they really needed yet and someone needs that i'm going to you know try to put business in their pocket i'll try to put money in the pocket because pretty much we don't always live in a world where people do onto you as they would want done onto them so i feel i feel personally like when you pay that out and you put that forward that's a bigger chance for the energy coming back to you because someone's gonna think back to you know that person did this for me that person did that for me so i would want to do the same for them in return so you know that's definitely a big thing for me, like I said, impressions, like make sure that when you meet people, we have what, 24 hours in a day, right? If you take those 24 hours and you use them wisely, obviously you can get a lot done. But if you take two of those 24 hours and you, you know, were frustrated over something or you had an argument with somebody or something happened and you're like, oh, this ruined my day. How could two hours out of 24 hours ruin your day? Those two hours need to just be ruined two hours. Now for you to allow that to carry on to the other 22, that just doesn't make any sense to me. So I feel like we all have an obligation of, you know, compartmentalizing our lives and making sure that we're all putting ourselves in the positions to be the best self, be our best selves. We're all human. We all have emotions. We all have things that you know, we might find annoying. We might not want to do. You know, it might be tedious, whatever the case may be. But, you know, who's to say that when you're doing that one thing that's a tedious task that you do it all the time, that the CEO of the company isn't watching you or this person isn't watching you or that person isn't watching you. So definitely do everything with intent, because when you do those things with intent, you're able to leave a lasting impression on people. Um, just today, I was watching a football game. Tariq Hill, he was uh, he's a wide receiver. For those of you that don't no sports, don't watch football. Wide receiver is a person that runs and they catch the ball. So there was a play that wasn't for him and it was a running play, but he sprinted off the line like he was getting the ball. So the defender ran with him. It opened up a lane to create the running back for him to run, right? He could have took that play off, right? And the announcer pointed out because he's like, he's running this play as if he was getting the ball. When the running back isn't getting the ball, it's his job to carry out the fake so the defense can bite on that so he can get a pass. So he's pretty much 
doing the same thing the running back would do for him and the announcers pointing it out in front of millions of people and showing you that this is a person that even when people aren't looking at him, even when it's not directly for him, he's putting his best foot forward and he's doing as best as he can to, you know, create a, an opportunity where the team can succeed. And I think that's a big thing that people like to see from other people is that this person's definitely working towards the same goal as me. And this person is a person that I feel like I can trust and that I can, you know, when it's crunch time and I need them, or if it's, you know, a deadline and damn, I really got to get this, this done by somebody. I can call this person. I can get it done with them because they have quality work because they're a trusting person. And because it's a person that I had a positive interaction with. So these things are all associated with us. And the more good energy, the more positive energy you put out there, I believe the more you will get back. So that is association. So when you get into assets, what's, what is an asset? By definition, an asset is a useful or valuable thing, person, or quality. If you want to get more into it, it says that um, in financial accounting, an asset is any resource owned or controlled by a business or an economic entity. It is anything that can be utilized to produce value, economic value. So when you hear positive economic value, when you think of assets, most people think assets are just things that you own, but there's a difference between assets and liability, like a car, clothing and stuff like that. Those things aren't assets more so than they are liabilities because these are things that depreciate in value. Once you purchase a car, pretty much you're not going to receive any positive value from it. You can sell the car, you can maybe get back what you paid for it. You can more than likely get less. So when you get into assets, assets are things that you can put money into that will either provide more money for you or over time will grow. So the importance of that, uh, we live in a world, obviously, where not everybody's the most you know financially sound, not everybody's financially fluent. So when you have an understanding of coming from a, a maybe a, a middle class, you know, family and your family, you know, live check to check and stuff like that, you don't really understand the fact that you can put your money into things that can grow. And what I mean by that is you can put your money into investments, you can put your money into trading, you can put your money into the stock market, but obviously everything that you decide to put your money in, you need to have um, some type of knowledge and you know have it be backed by your own research and things like that. So with the stock market, you know, things can get tricky, but it's important that you know when you're investing money that you're putting in the right places um so they have something called asset accumulation and it's basically when assets are gradually acquired over time or held for long term um they start to make an investment process successful one must buy access with assets with intentions of accumulation meaning you're not just purchasing one or two things from a, for, for a lump sum of cash. You're purchasing small things at a lesser value that are gonna grow over time. For those of you that don't know Warren Buffett, he has uh, three rules of investing. And um, basically it's of investment, his three rules are one, practicing value investing. Basically being able to look at something, determine that if this is something that's gonna grow over a long time or not. Asset can be buying into someone's company. If you have a friend, they have an idea, they have uh, you know something that you feel like really has legs to it, it could probably take off. 
something that's viable. This might be something that you want to invest your money into. That now becomes an asset for you because it will grow over time. And it's something that outside of your reoccurring money from whatever your job is, that you'll be getting a return from somewhere else that you put your money. Estimate value, basically being able to look at something and saying, all right, um, this is the market value of it right now. It might be low, but in the future, it's going to grow because of something else. So basically studying trends, understanding, you know, different types of, you know, things like when to buy, when to hold, when to sell. And um, when is the biggest profit margin? Warren Buffett, he's also a firm believer that in times of you know turmoil, in times of loss, that's when the biggest gain is. Because if you were a person that last year you invested a bunch of money into Zoom and you had no idea that you know it was just going to be stagnant or whatever, and the next year a pandemic hits and you left your money in Zoom, you saw a big um, growth in whatever whatever income you're getting from that asset and what you had in zoom because it grew intrinsic value intrinsic value is uh what we see in price charts in the stock's market value um basically the market value of stocks are often inflated and it only says what we must spend to buy one share of the company but it doesn't say if the price is fair or not so understanding that buying you know one share into apple at a certain amount of price if, if you're getting it for a good price, if you're getting it from a bad price, for a bad price, if they're selling it to you for a good price, it might be a stock that, you know, it might go up, it might go down. If, if it's something at a bad price and you're purchasing a lump sum of it, you also have to study that trend and you have to look into those things because it's something that you have to understand. And getting out of stocks, I'm not the stock guy. I don't really understand stocks that well. I can only be pretty much vague for it. But, um, Having an asset is just putting your money and understanding that, you know, once you put your money into something that it's going to grow and, you know, you might say, why do I need an asset? Like, what is, what does that have to do with whatever I'm trying to do in my life or something like that? All right, cool. If you have a job, right? Um, whatever income you have from your job, you get that money. You have money for living expenses. You put whatever money you pay and then the rest you save, right? The money you save, cool. You, you save it. Now you repeat that process. Now you have a lump sum of money, some of what you save from whatever expenses you have left over. Now you don't have a rainy day fund. You don't have, in case I need to go take a vacation, in case I need to do this, it's whatever that set wages, meaning there's a cap to that wage of whatever you're making at your position. So now if you take that saved money and put it into something, it creates a new stream of income for you. So with that asset, you might have, you know, put yourself in a hole for the next two weeks or something like that. But the money that you put away, while you're not looking, it might be growing. The service or whatever, you might have put your money into a vending machine. It's like, all right, I just spent $800 on this vending machine. What the hell did I put money into that for? But the next week, the vending machine makes six. The next month, the vending machine makes $600. And then a month after that, the vending machine makes $500. You've already covered your, prop, your, your, your cost of the vending machine, and you're now seeing a, prop, a, a positive stream of income from owning that vending machine. Same with ATMs, same with a bunch of things. Um, there's people that, you know, they, they purchase cars and they put them on Carvana. And this is a way to, for a car not to be a depreciating value for you because no matter whatever the price of the car that you pay for it, if monthly you're making more than what the car you know, is worth in expenses and upkeep, 
then you're seeing a positive stream of income from a car that you're not even using. And you put the car up for to be used for other people's purposes, you know, for them to rent it and whatever. When they come into town, some people do that for Airbnbs. These are things that's going to constantly, you know, generate revenue for you, generate revenue for you. You know, that's why, you know, they have these things for assets. If you want to think about it in the eyes of the government, you know, in a state you have, you know, you have tolls, you have parking meters, things like that. Like these things are something that they had to pay to put up. So they saw a negative in it, but the amount of money they see back from it every single day, the cost of whatever it costs to put it up that has been like covered 10 times over. So basically not to, you know, talk your ear off too much, but just assets are important and they tie into, you know, association because the same rules really apply because with people, you know, you take time, you take uh, energy and you invest it into people. And then in turn, you probably get the most back from those people because you took the amount of time, you know, to get to learn, learn a person to get, you know, to like learn their likes and dislikes and, you know, be a person that they can, they can trust and that they can count on one, you know, it's a work related thing or a friendship related thing. And you'll be able to, you know, call on that person in turn, you know, when it's time to, you know, get something done and it's time to get something signed, when it's time to pack up and move or something like that, or whatever the case may be. But by you investing that time and putting that positive energy into them, you're able to get positive energy back out. And the same thing with assets, um, when you have money and you put them into streams that, you know, they duplicate on their own this is creating a better chance of you to have financial freedom and different streams of revenue. You have more to play with. Like you can, you know, maybe be seeing money off of something that you put money into last week that might've not been uh, money that you really had to spare. But now this week you, you have an extra $300, you have an extra $400, you have extra money because you sacrificed. And that's one of the main things, you know, you sacrifice time with people, you sacrifice time for relationships, you sacrifice money and, and, and things like that, you know, to invest in the things and it all comes back into fruition. And that all is wrapped up in one big bowl of patience, pretty much, because that's what it's about. Sometimes it's about a waiting game. Me and Chris, we talk about all the time. We talk about instant gratification. You might not see the returns. You might not see the instant impact of whatever the, the, the things you're doing right now has in your life, but down the line, you'll see that positive and negative patience, you know, diligence, all these things, perseverance. It just, it, it plays a part in your life. Um, I know, you know, this, as we, this week was a little different. You know, you guys bear with me. It is my first one by myself. Definitely look to be recording more stuff and putting more content out to you guys. So, you know, this is just going to help me get better. You know, we're big on transparency here. Uh, it's going to help me better, get better. And hopefully you guys enjoy this, whether you, Stop listening after 15 seconds. Maybe whether you made it to this point, thank you for even giving us a chance. Uh, tune into this week, definitely, for another Wisdom Wednesday from Chris. We might, you know, touch more on, you know, this topic because I just definitely want to see what Chris's um, Chris's feelings are on it. Um, you know, definitely tune in Tuesday. DJJ segment, we got his um playlist of the week. You know, bangers on it every week. Hope you guys are engaging with that. Follow the page at the Demigod Chronicles. Um, follow Chris at CB.Lopez. Follow Jay at Mr. J-A-Y Wheeler. And you can find me at underscore, underscore, Demigod, underscore. 
and at underscore mastered studios with a V. Once again, it's been another episode. I don't got no Spanish for you because I'm not Chris and I'm definitely don't got no other shit to say that Jay would say. So thank you for tuning in. Bow.